From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Let me record. Oh, we're back again, recording Here. in progress. Here we go. How's that for sound quality, by the way? Is that okay? Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> peek, peek behind the curtain for the listeners here. Well, welcome back, everybody, yeah. to the Unbelievers podcast, to this most recent, this week's, this Friday's whatever episode, mm-hmm. where we will we will answer a listener question. And I haven't cleared naming them with them, so I'll not say the name of the firm, but... So thanks for sending it over. You maybe you recognize yourselves once you hear the question. Because a while ago, Ashley did this episode on how improving business development and marketing is a matter of these journey steps, right? Where you yes, go from unfocused yes. business development to focused and so forth. And the listener writing in asked the question: How would you go about the first transition? So going from unfocused to more focused. Can you go mm-hmm. into more detail? Was one part of the question. Second part of the question was. Specifically, if your firm is on the rocket science side of the spectrum of practice, and this is where we need to maybe remind or clarify for listeners what that is, right? The spectrum. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to revisit that briefly? Me? Well, sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, calling, this is a calling so, you this out. Is, <laughs> this is a time when you know you can hear literally behind the scenes kind of stuff what's going on. Right. If you want, I I brought it up so I can nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go for right. it. So when you're thinking about the kind of consultancies that we deal with, we obviously have to start with the rocket science guys. These are the ones who solve the problems that have not been solved before. Their primary thing is they can solve complex challenges, things that would not maybe be very immediate, but they will have major consequences for the client coming up. It's like someone who decided to plan about like pandemics back in like 2017. That's an example could be. Then you have the... You know what? Like my example would have been literal rocket science, like Elon Musk running around and saying, who here can build me a spaceship that can actually land again after firing the rocket booster up? And then imagine there is an engineering friend that does that. It says, yep, that's the kind of stuff we do. No one's ever did that, but we know how to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I love that example because last week someone uh, had effectively launched another probe onto the moon, like a proper moon landing after like how many. So it's like that. Then we have the gray hairs. These people have a track record of dealing with these kinds of problems. They've learned from experience. They're still, you know, working on empirical analysis and things like that. But right now, they've gotten the knowledge that that they can use to judge the kind of problems and make it applicable in various settings. So so I think, can I I jump in? So I think these guys solve problems that while they're not completely novel, Yep. They might be totally new to the client. Like they have done them a thousand times. The client either never did them or it's very rare. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about M&A consulting yep. uh, folks because they structure deals and know the ins and outs and know how to avoid risks and stuff like that all the time. Well, if you run the company, it might be how many mergers do you do in your department, right? Like yep. Maybe you do this once or twice or whatever. I don't know what the number is, but that's the idea, right? Yeah. That's the gray hair thing. Okay. Yep. What was the And then comes one? the procedural ones. 
Now these oh, these yeah. ones like have they work on like you know a complex project. You, it would probably be like a massive supply chain transformation as an example, and you've got the SAP core, and then you're bringing in mm -hmm. like all the other stuff like Cooper or Blue Yonder or all, any of those guys, and they have a very comprehensive approach. They've built methodologies. They have comprehensive knowledge on how they've done this. And they're following procedures rigorously, comprehensively, and things. Yeah. And then the last group, the commoditized ones, they are solving routine, simple problems. They've gone down from procedure. It's no longer as yeah. expensive as you know, procedure in gray hair. It's quite low cost. For them, it's all focused on efficiency, delivery process. So if you're taking the gaming industry, these could be companies that just churn out HD remasters of games that were out like yeah. Uh, 10 years ago. And their primary focus is execution against requirements, which is why I said it's yeah. literally it all in that case, it's just like uprising assets and making sure stuff. They're not literally creating things from the ground up. So in, in my lens of uh, my logic of what does this problem mean to the client, that's probably a client problem. The client was, would be fully capable of solving themselves, has done it numerous times also. So there's no question of how do I do this? It's just that the service provider is so much more efficient or has economies of scale or so forth that it yes. just makes a lot of commercial sense to hand the stuff to them instead of... Yes. So it's the typical yeah. outsourcing primarily, right? Do you, yes. do you know what you say is the difference between those guys and the procedural ones? The, the procedural is a bit more bespoke, right? They build a process Procedures uh, are my... a bit more bespoke. And, but the thing about procedural is there's many complex parts to it. Like, oh, yeah. a, like a simple thing for like the commoditized one is they might just be implementing one particular thing. They might be in, implementing, say, a sourcing thing in a, in a supply chain thing, whereas a procedural <clears> one will do your entire supply chain transformation. Right. Okay, so that that was good, and that will be that will become important again later towards the end yes. of the episode because we try to scratch on the surface of that second question, right? Which was how do we focus our business development if you are on that rocket science end of the spectrum? I I think the I would say person writing and I think they were like an engineering firm. I'm not saying they're building rockets that can land, but they seem to be out in that sort of very delicate yeah. problems piece, but. Just one one last point to wrap up the spectrum of practice. That's what it's called, right? This idea. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important to say that this is the idea is that this is a scale, the, yeah. and the typizations we just you just walked us through there are sort of prototypical. So you, it's not that you are either this or this or this. It's just that you will be your whatever however your firm works, it'll be positioned closer to one of those than to the other three. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. There will always be a bit of an overlap between them. Yeah. So. Back to the question, maybe. I don't know. So the question was, how, how can we go about focusing uh, our business development efforts a bit more? And then in keeping with frameworks and stuff, right? We had the spectrum of practice as an introduction. The way I think about this, if someone asks me, how can we improve our business development? There is only two levers you can pull. Yeah. And people can call me out if they think it's too simplistic. But to me, it comes down to either two things. It's either the way in which you go to market and speak about what it is you're trying to help with. So I call this the proposing part. Either something's broken there, right? And we can yeah. talk about it. Or it's the actual proposition. So it's the value proposition of the firm. So it's the what are you saying, right? So, so issue area of intervention number one is where and how are we saying what we want to say? And then the other area of intervention is what are we actually saying? And 
that's it. You, uh, the, the, you don't need to look in, in many other places. Now, the interesting thing I also wanted to take out is that you cannot look into these areas just once, but you have to do it on three levels. Yeah. Should I go on? Are you still- I, I do, <laughs> do want, you want you to, to go on. The, I, I'm literally waiting for you to talk about what is important for the business side. Then we can yeah. talk about marketing and I do have a zinger for the end. All right. Which is not okay, really okay. but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm, I'm back. I'm just, so the three levels you and I wanted to talk about is because it's interesting that I had the discussion not too long ago where someone asked, okay, so how many value propositions do we actually need? And I went away and I came back and I think it's three. And discussing this from the bottom up, and, and I'll explain why. I think you need a good answer to what it is we're saying and how are we saying it at the level of the individual account or clients. Yes. Right? Yeah. You're in the meeting. They have this problem. How do you frame that problem? What is? How do you make your proposition to help? All these things, right? Level number one. Level number two, then, obviously, is, is not the account level, but the, the vertical, whatever it is. Groups mm-hmm. of similar accounts. Yeah. Right? Your industry level. So how do you talk about the problems in that industry and how you help there? That's the second level. And then, of course, you have the level of the, the world in general, right? The sum total of all potential audiences. How do you say what problems your firm solves and how and these types of things? And I have, at the risk of being yelled at, could make the same distinction. So level one for me is sort of the sales level. Level two mm-hmm. is sort of the marketing level. And then level three is sort of the brand. How does, what's the positioning of the overall firm? And you have to find good answers for all three. Does that make sense? To you? Because, yes, because it's, yeah, I, it's bottom up and top down, right? Once you... They have to be connected. And I'll use Accenture where both you and I worked as an example. They proposed very specific things to very specific clients, mm-hmm. but that fit into stories of what they were doing in certain verticals. And it's, it's true today, but I'm no longer with the firm, hence the past tense. And then all those individual vertical stories got rolled up under an umbrella, which tied them together, which back in the day yes. was high performance delivered. Nowadays, it's let there be change, right? I think that's still crack one i'm not tracking it i'm not going to uh, comment on things but yeah <laughs> but you get yeah. i mean every other friend i get what you mean you yeah, yeah. picked a, a capgemini or deload or whatever but that, that's the idea and i think that's the proper way of doing it so this as a primer right this is how you mm-hmm. the folks who send in the question and everybody else should be thinking about it, is you have to look at what are we saying and how are we saying it at these two yes. levels i don't know if that makes sense and then, i used to do the work we do for quite a long while. Yes. And always be thinking that the proposing is the issue. So how you guys do marketing, there's something broken, right? The message is not right. The the frequency it is, is high enough. The issue, let's be honest. There but can it's be not issues. the there only issue. Issues. There can be issues with that. Yeah, but I'm I've overcorrected and nowadays I'm by default thing is that I think there's some there's a problem with the value proposition because of course that will that determines Influence, the entire yeah. effectiveness of everything you do, right? Yes, All of them. Exactly. Like if, if what you're saying is not resonating well, best of luck. So I would look at those two and we can get, there's seven questions you can ask yeah. to get to, but I'll pause. Do you want to, do you want to say something to the levels or? I think the levels part we can get to after the seven questions, because yeah, this is right. where we need to address the business and then we need to address the marketing. Yeah. And these seven questions hold true, I think, and you will have some commentary on yeah, them. Yeah. On them. But they, generally speaking, they hold true for every situation, every level. And to make this practical, I think you can help them. You can use them to structure a sales call, and you I, can use them I to would build just an say, entire website. Um, I would say that the way you look at it is, it's very applicable for those firms with like heavy or strong knowledge management, which is usually in the gray hat space and the procedural space. But it's also applicable to the others because 
These questions yeah. come from a knowledge base. Yeah. They don't but come you, just like that. Yeah, but you you're know. alluding to something which there's a bit yeah. of a difference in, in how you have to go about yes, exactly. the answers, but you'll get we'll get to that in, in a second. Yeah. So the seven questions are so take out your Unbilbo's branded notebooks and pens, please to note those down. First one obviously is which is which issue do we own? So what yes. specific what is the problem? Issue? Do we want to be famous for solving or do we solve or help with, right? You've got to nail this down. And the bit of a tip I've been trying to give here in terms of finding an answer, you should be able to start the answer with a verb that implies a direction. And then you have to come up with a specific object. So it can either decrease risk mm-hmm. or increase revenue mm-hmm. or reduce cost or something like that. Yeah. It should not be a high-level buzzword where like we help with digital transformation. No, it shouldn't could, be. Yeah. So it shouldn't be things like your accelerating change because what are you talking about there? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, even if you use a word that implies a direction, the the object you're using still has to be somewhat tied to a business outcome, right? And change is a bit generic. If you, you could say we are accelerating time to value for this and that investment, it's more specific. Sorry, I don't want to drone on too long, so I'll just I'll just move to the next one. Second question is. Who cares, right? Of in the of all the issues you can think of solving as a consultancy, you should be picking one or two or one ideally. Who cares the most about those? Because these are your ideal clients, probably. Third question is how do you solve it? And I think we've spoken to service design and this, or the idea of productizing delivery quite a bit, but the answer to that question should be your somewhat distinct method of going about stuff, right? Fourth question, why solve it? Why should someone care? You probably People probably know this from marketing or sales training. That means you have to be very clear on the business outcome, right? And if you have those four covered, and I'll repeat them in a second. Yes. They take care of your value proposition. So again, value proposition questions are, darling, which issue you solve? Then who cares about that issue the most? Because that'll yes. be the ideal client yeah. you better speak to. How do you solve it? So be clear about the process you're going to yep. uh, bring. And why solve it? You have to be able to speak to um, the business outcome of that. And to your earlier point, which well, let's go with it, with the example of accelerating change, mm-hmm. that's a bit non-specific in terms of the issue, but uh, you could yeah. make it work if you could be specific about the business outcome, right? And you could say, we, we do that. So change to do blah, blah, blah. Shorter yeah. time to market, you know, cost of failure, taking out, I, I don't know what it is, but this is how you piece these things together. Okay, I said seven questions because I have three more and those go to the proposing part or the marketing or messaging piece of it. I don't know. And those are simply, once you have the first four answers, the next question then is, what story do we tell to convey our answers? Yes. So what's the strategic narrative of the firm? What are our thought leadership key themes? You need a good answer there. Next question then is, where do we tell it? That's mm-hmm. marketing stuff now, right? But now we're talking channels and, and, and uh, formats and things. And then the last question is, how do we tell it? And this to me primarily, how can mean a lot of things? I think I'm, I'm thinking here mostly about what funnels What's, do we have? What yeah. are the systems? Like those marketing operations for like yeah, example, it's right? it also, who does who is responsible? What's the team they have? With what frequency do they go to market and all that stuff? And yeah, and as I was telling you, Flo, before I get to that question, when you're starting with like the first question and last, it actually ties in the book in there. It's like 
what's your problem and mm. how it's being delivered. However, the question that really needs to also be answered here and fits in the beginning is, how have you solved this problem before? And how will you solve this if yeah. you've never solved this before? Yeah, that's exactly right. There's so The questions are so valid, but... Like you say, there's like this might be differences in how you find the answer. Yes, on that spectrum of practice, honestly. And so, thank you for the question, dear sender. We haven't yeah. really thought about this as much, but we've discussed it for before. But we've discussed it for a bit, and we came mm-hmm. to the conclusion that the difference in finding the answers is that, uh, like experience or gray hair or even process or an efficiency firms might not be well the efficiency firms probably are but yeah the, the guys in the middle let's say might not be as clear on what issue they actually solve right yes because exactly. there might have been some variance in past engagements so their job will be a bit difficult because they have to go through it and identify the most profitable most fun most future proof whatever the criteria ideal yeah. problem to focus on now if you are a rocket science type company like the like who sent the question yes you don't have to concern yourself with that too much because by definition, you have the answer, right? The one issue you help with is solving a question. Solving that no one you, has you're an answer solving for. the yeah. problem where the template doesn't exist. You break the new ground, that's your thing. Yeah, they so, create, let's put it this way, they create yeah. a new template. Yeah, and yes. And so the trick for you will probably be more in question number three or two mm-hmm. and three right the who cares probably also good to ask like who has new problems all the time maybe not a hundred year old industry that hasn't changed very much right maybe you have to look elsewhere but that, that might be other stuff but the really interesting question and this is why, why i love the way you frame you just framed that how to solve it right the, the the middle guys can ask how have you solved this in the past and they'll find an answer and this is good because yeah. that's what people come to them for right you have yes. done a thousand m a deals how have you done it in the past right do it for mm-hmm. me again um not true for our rocket scientists so they will have to be able to talk to how they also have to speak about methodology but it's not yes how we create this how we deliver the solution it's more about how do we even explore the problem how and do we come up with problem framings how do we think about it so and that might tie into what we were discussing well before we started recording like when you're going into the how of solving the problem if you are a procedural or gray hat firm, you probably have done thought leadership. You've done research, which will help you figure out like the timelines. You've solved these problems at least to some yeah. degree, certain degree before. So you just need to say, this is where we are in the solution. So that connects with both how you're doing the proposals, how you're doing marketing, how you're approaching the whole thing. Mm. Whereas for the others, they need to look at their RFPs because... It's only in the RFPs have you realized, right, I have actually solved this part of the problem in this mm. particular way. Is it still applicable? How do we do it? Mm. What new kind of disruption do we need to do? That's where they bring in their entrepreneurial mindset to do the whole rocket science. But the previous one, you've got the research, you've got the data. Like, let's take about a simple thing of a single solution. Like, suppose someone is just using Oracle to solve, you know, their entire marketing thing, marketing suite. And suddenly they realize, well, we don't want the entire Oracle thing. And we're using a little bit of Adobe. We're using a little bit of Salesforce coming up with the whole stuff. Using multiple partners to do do this. And Mm. that has been an industry trend of going with one and then going with many. If you are able to plot that, look at the thought leadership and understand where in the market are we? What have we said before? How effective was it? You know how 
you know, you know how you solved it, you know what you said, and your expertise is to figure out where you are right now to talk yeah. to the client and talk to the market at the same time. At least yeah. that's my view on that. Yeah, I think that's good. So, and I, and I think that is part of it is if you are on the cutting edge of everything, being provably good in dealing with trends is certainly one part of the picture. But we, we had in our previous discussion, we had another point, which I wanted to insert yes. here, which I liked it a lot. I think it goes without saying this idea that the guys in the middle or the efficiency process guy, like everybody except the rocket scientist has to find compelling ways to highlight the value of experience and re and repeated delivery. You've done this a thousand times, that's why you're good at it. Yeah. And that's where also things like industry specialization and something become very valuable because that's where that comes from. The rocket science guys, uh, by definition, can't do that because the problem is different all the time. Yes. So I would expect so I would expect them to find compelling ways to provably show that they are able to, as an organization, maximize creativity, diversity, right? Lots of lenses, lots of backgrounds, and, and so forth, and, uh, and find ways to productively apply that, or almost that mess, right? <laughs> right? Of, of varied experts, yep. red lenses of looking at it, but productively apply that to solving business problems. And, and I think there are firms in the market where, in lack of a better answer than what we've just given, maybe the, the listener could go and take a look. I'm thinking, for example, of IDEO, and I know that they have had a bit of trouble in the past, but look at when they were coming up and having finding great success in how they were able to say, oh, by the way, here is how we distill and guarantee and package and ship to you highest levels of creativity mm -hmm. that can be applied to your business problem. I think they were quite good at it. And if I go into the back catalog of this show, we had episodes out and rebroadcasted recently the Business of Magic episode with Costas, yes. where he spoke about how their firm Happen, which was an innovation consultancy, so probably a similar premise, found success by not having all the right answers, but asking very interesting questions. Now, this is a tactical means of doing what I just described, right? This is how you show your variety of perspective, your thinking outside the box and so forth. But I think that is where it has to land. So tactically speaking, like you said, you can't ask how have we solved this in the past? You have to ask, how would we go about solving that in the future? And I think a lot of the marketing has to, has to, a lot of the marketing that, thinking yeah. has to be done in the sort of how can we show that in, in a compelling way? And then again, maybe weaving this backwards, it could really be that the, the crux of the problem is finding the people who care about this stuff the most. So the, the second question there, who actually cares about it? Who has, who often has, super new problems and cares a lot about the process that gets applied to to think about and solve those might and, be a thing. And that's also the reason why going to your RFPs, because especially in my view, is a good one that has not been used. You mean looking at how have we proposed to solve something in, in the yes, past? Yeah, yes. yeah, that is true. That is where you might find some patterns. Yeah. Yeah. It's most likely where you will find some good work. It's just people yeah. take some time to realize that this is a spot. And I, I want to wrap it up because we're, we're at roughly yeah. time, but I just wanted to, in closing, reinforce this, or sorry, not reinforce, but bring in this slightly additional idea that if you think about who cares the most and if you are in the rocket science spectrum, yeah. but it's also true for the others, I think. So, side correction, stuff, yeah. 
it sometimes is very interesting or promising to wonder who might need your expertise who you mm -hmm. haven't thought about before. So making up this example, I think part of IDEO's success was in bringing people who were explicitly not very technical, and this is not meant as an insult, but they had yeah. designers, they had humanities types, they had writers, right? And yes. brought them to spaces where that type of talent was pretty scarce. So they would go into hardware companies, product manufacturers, and so forth, right? And, and bring that there because they managed to find the people inside these organizations who felt that was needed. And those talents, those clients, sorry, had engineering talent in abundance. So if I had a rocket science firm that was composed of designer types, I would maybe try if I can mimic that. If I have, if I'm working with primarily, I don't know, cutting edge AI folks, data scientists, engineers, whatnot, maybe the opposite direction is true. And maybe you can find ways to bring that expertise and talent story to places where it's not Abundant. Not done. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's maybe a bit of a shitty example because that talent seems to be rare everywhere. But you know my what I mean is when this question of who cares about this the most, who has the greatest, who feels the pain the most, is really can be really productive in many ways. I don't know. That's yeah, that's I, I was thinking like where it's not been done most efficiently and more optimally. And often it doesn't mean that you've never done this before. Yeah. It does mean that you've not done it in this specific way before. Yeah, or you've not done it in this context. And, and I find that sometimes it's counterintuitive for consultancies well, to look that way because typically you are an expert in a certain industry. That's where your network is. Yeah. And so that's a lot of where you do a lot of your consulting work. You've come up in the automotive industry. You have lots of automotive clients. You get you have an easy time finding your automotive clients because, you know, mm -hmm. that's where it is. And it's more difficult to do the other thing and bring your automotive expertise to I don't know what retail banking and make i have no example ready so it's harder but if you can pull it off it's also very differentiating right you'll yes. be the automotive expert in retail banking like ever and maybe you can revamp their leasing business or whatnot i'm, I'm trying to take my own example <laughs> but you get what i mean mm -hmm. all right no, that's literally all i have for today so hopefully and i'll shoot the person a message that we tried our best to answer the questions but to recap a little bit we might cover a little more later but yeah go ahead yeah, you, we should revisit this idea of the rocket science side of the spectrum, which is rare for me, to be honest. It's rare. Primarily, I seem to be dealing with the procedural and the gray hair firms and everything in between, because that seems such a common model. But so again, question was, how can we go about focusing our business development even more? And how do we do so under the constraints of being a rocket science firm? I think we tried to explain that. You look at the value proposition first, and you look at the ways of messaging second. Mm -hmm. And you do that on three levels of your organization, then probably in that order. So bottom up. So you look at sales today. So vis-a-vis -vis specific accounts, what do we do? What did work well? You pull the stuff that worked well, group it, and see if that's something there for you that you say, okay, we can leverage this vis-a-vis -vis an entire group of prospective buyers or an industry vertical that gives you the marketing layer, right? And once yeah. you have that, You've done that for multiple service lines and you say, mm -hmm. okay, we have five practices. Now each of them have is a compelling story. You go again in, try to say, find the pattern and, and wonder, okay, what's the equivalent? What's the umbrella message for yep. us? There could be an equivalent to a high performance delivered or whatever, right? Something that nicely ties all the things together. Yeah, That's certainly not the only way to do it. Uh, I will say that, but I find it the more, to be the most practical. Okay. And we mentioned that you can do that by seven questions. Do I repeat them here? We, we said- which, I think we'll put in the show notes, but go ahead. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Uh, we're done. We're over time already. So I'm not repeating them, people. You have to read the show notes to find those. That was it. 
you then spoke to the nuances of am I selling expertise and having done stuff repeatedly or selling, do I sell ways of bringing tons of creativity and applying them in commercially viable ways? Mm-hmm. I think these are the two basic storylines for the scale. I don't know if that's- Yes, I believe not. this, no, I believe this covers it, but we will have some stuff for you. On we the need show. to. And also we will be touching on this a bit more in detail so that we can answer some more of the specifics to both the commodity and the rocket science areas. Do you know what? I have not cleared this with you before, but maybe we can could pull out the call to action. So if any listener is in a rocket science type firm and has done this for a living for a while, do drop us a note. We'd love to have you on and discuss how you market a firm that solves problems no one ever had before. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was it. I'll stop the recording here. I wish you a very nice Friday rest of the week. Good start to the week, whatever. Yes. Thanks for listening. Speak soon. Speak soon. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 